Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading today is from the seventh chapter of Matthew's gospel. I'm going to be reading the first five verses, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. But as we come to this text, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because You are God, it is Your Word and Your Word alone that is life for us. Because You are gracious, we trust that You will speak to us again. We are here, O God. We are listening. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let us listen for God's Word for us. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? But do not notice the log in your own eye. Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So these verses fall in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is a word painting of what life looks like in the promised day of God. This holy imagining is filled with images of life that are foreign and confusing, but also winsome and beautiful. Jesus said, if you want to know who is really blessed, Pay attention to the people who are hungry, not for power or wealth, but for righteousness. For it is they who see the presence of God in our lives. If you want to know who is blessed, pay attention to those whose hearts are broken. For in every moment, they yearn for things to be different. Look for those who are sacrificing for peace, for even still they are the ones who have refused to give up. Jesus said, in the promised day of God, it will not be unusual to go the second mile to turn the other cheek, and you won't be judging one another, for you will you will be more focused on tending the needs of your own soul, the failings and injuries of your own soul, that you won't have the time or energy to give your neighbor a failing grade. It's this last teaching of wisdom, judge not lest you be judged, that I am drawn to. I'm drawn to it in part because I don't feel it's my place to judge you or anyone else. At the same time, I'll be honest, I have battled this word all of my life 
because it feels strange, even inappropriate, to look at the world the way that it is with all that has gone wrong and to say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, so it's really none of my business. Judge not. That doesn't sound like faithfulness. It sounds like apathy. Uh, Feral Sams is a writer of Southern fiction He's got a short story entitled Judgment, and it begins this way. Let me read you a few lines. He says, I've been going to church at least once a week all my life, been singing in the choir ever since I was 13 and turned out to be an alto. After all that religion I've been exposed to, the hardest thing yet for me to do as a Christian is to judge not lest I be judged. It seems to me if you don't judge in your own mind and you leave all that up to God, then you don't punish and leave all that up to God as well. And it seems that would lock you into putting up with just about anything from anybody, and that is stretching Christian tolerance too cotton pick and thin, and I can't do it. I judge my fellow Christians' actions in spite of myself, and I just can't help it. I do. I accept it. And to tell the truth, Sometimes I enjoy it. This unnamed Southern Alto has a point. With the world the way it is, you wonder if there should be a limit to Christian tolerance. Tom Long says it this way. If someone is abusing children or spreading vicious rumors in the community... Are we to look the other way, shrug our shoulders, and say, well, it's none of my business, judge not? No, that's not faithful. Judge not. This is not a rule. It doesn't work as a rule. If you make this a rule, then you take this holy word and turn it into a tool of destruction You make this a rule, then it blesses anyone who looks at evil or injustice in the eye and then just turns the other way. That is not our calling. If I understand the text, the teaching is not a rule, it's an orientation. It's a bit different. It begins with the wisdom that when it comes to sin, every last one of us is affected. And every last one of us is infected. And the place to start mending what has gone wrong in the world is not first with our neighbor, but first with ourselves. Jesus said, worry about the log that's in your own eye. That's an image. I'm going to go out on a limb here and and say, I imagine you have never had a literal log in your eye, nor have I. I have had an eyelash in my eye, and and even that can make it hard to see rightly. To have a log in your eye, well, that must leave you completely blind, which is the point. One of the struggles we have with seeing sin in the world is that when the sin is my neighbor's, my vision is 20-20. But when the sin is my own, my vision is often blurry. You see, my neighbor's misdeeds, well, they're just that. They're misdeeds. They're bad acts. But my bad acts, 
And never that alone, my bad acts always come accompanied with reasons, justifications. They are paved with good intentions and explanations. By the time I finish my mental justification for my deeds, my sins aren't even sin anymore. At least that's the way I see it. Or as Jesus suggests, it may be the way I see it with a log in my eye. So we have to wonder, what if, what if I'm blind and don't know it? The Bible talks about blindness a lot. It's a metaphor for the spiritual struggle. And you need to remember this. There's a difference between physical blindness and spiritual blindness, and part of the difference is, is this. People who are physically blind, they know it. They know they can't see. That's not always true with spiritual blindness. Sometimes when we're spiritually blind, we still see something, and we assume what we see is the truth. And so we can actually be blind and have no idea that we don't see. To be blind and assume we see, that is the deepest blindness. Look, you've, you've experienced this in your own life. It's part of every relationship. Sometimes it shows up in marriages or parenting or, or friendships. Sometimes it shows up here at church. We we see what we think is the truth, and then there's a conversation, or there's an event, or a circumstance, and all of a sudden this metaphorical log rolls out of our eye, and you see what you had no idea was there. You're blind and didn't know it. In recent months here at Village, we have, we have made available resources for anti-racism. It's on our website. We're doing so because our country is in this conversation. It's been an intentional effort on our part to listen a bit. It, because when it comes to the realities of systemic racism, we see what we see, but we may not see everything. And the, the truth is, it may be an important time for us to set down what we see and to listen to a different voice, it, to do what, what St. Francis want, once prayed, to endeavor to understand before we seek to be understood. It's uncomfortable because the natural thing for us to do is to assert our truth, to, to speak what we see, but we're not really the ones who need to be speaking to this right now. Uh, it's because if you're like me, you've actually never experienced racism. You've seen it, but you've never experienced it. And so our capacity to speak of what it is or what it's not or what it means, well, it's limited. We need to be informed 
by those who've actually experienced it. I, I have no more authority to speak about systemic racism, what it is and what it's not, than I do about what it's like, I don't know, to be pregnant. I have no experience. I've seen it, but I have no experience. I need to listen and allow the possibility that I've got a log in my eye, that there are things that are real that I haven't seen, that I refuse to see, that I can't see. That act of setting my own truth, my own narrative aside, is a forfeiture of power. And to forfeit power like that is hard. But Jesus also says it can be healing. It can. We're in divided times. Everywhere we turn, there's a battle over what is true. You know what I'm talking about. Everywhere we turn, there's a battle over truth. And when division emerges, the temptation is for us to determine the side that's right, choose the team that's right, discern the right side of the issue, and align ourselves there. And that is good and holy work. In this confusing world in which we live, we do need, through prayer and reflection and study and engagement, we need to, we need to discern what we believe to be the right. But if I understand this text, what Jesus is teaching us is that when we're right, it's not enough. We're not called just to be right. We're also called to be righteous, and that's different. Righteousness is a relational category. To be righteous is not just to be pure on the issues. It is to be attentive to the relationships because sometimes when we're looking just at the issues, our vision can get blurry. The truth that we see can be blurred by all of our explanations, justifications, and the balm of our good intentions. And so Jesus says, be righteous too. I mean, sometimes we need to take our own narrative, take the truth that we see, and we, that's what we see, but set it down and allow the possibility that there could be a log in my eye that is prohibiting me from seeing truth that is there. That takes humility, and I get that humility is not a popular virtue these days, but it is a faithful one. You know, sometimes you've experienced this. Sometimes in marriage or in parenting or, or in friendships or citizenship or sometimes in our relationships here in this church. We were so sure. We saw it just as it was. We could see the truth. But then there's a conversation or a circumstance or an event, and all of a sudden, a log we had no idea was there it rolls out of our eye, and we see that which we had never seen before. That's a good thing. It's a liberating thing. It's a holy thing. And in that moment, we learn the truth of that old hymn, I once was blind. I had no idea. But I once was blind, and now I see. 
Judge not, Jesus said. Pay attention to the blindness in your own eye. It's not a rule, but in the promised day of God, it will be our orientation. And because that is a day toward which we are living every day, we endeavor to make it our orientation even now. It's part of what can assure, ensure that we are not only right, but we are righteous. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.